Welcome to the WP Tonic Podcast, brought to you by WPTonic.com, a WordPress maintenance and support service for business owners. We talk to the leaders in WordPress, business, and online marketing communities, bringing you insights on how to grow your business and achieve success. Hi there, folks. Welcome back to the WP Tonic Roundtable Show. It's episode 237. We've got a nice size panel here. We're going to have hopefully a couple other additional people joining us during the discussion. So if you hear some new voices, we'll introduce them to you, but don't be surprised. I'm going to just go with what order I see uh, on my screen um, and let my panelists introduce themselves. And I'm going to let Sally do the honours to be the first person to do that. Off you go, Sally. Good morning, Jonathan. My name is Sally Getch. I am <coughs> the organizer of the East Bay WordPress Meetup. And <coughs> I have a business called WP Fangirl, and I have actually managed to publish two blog posts in two days, which might be a record. That's a, that's a fair bit of work, depending on how large. Would like to. Um, well, the, 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 the first one was 2,600 words. Um, this, the second one. Uh, uh, somewhere closer to to a thousand, which for me is a short article. Um, right. So, my beloved co-host Kim would like to introduce yourself. Absolutely, I'm Kim Schivler, and I'm a business and technology instructor. I'm currently in Las Vegas. I'll be speaking at WordCamp Las Vegas this weekend. So, if anybody is around, come check us out. Baby, Las Vegas. Right. Oh, there we go. And we've got, we got a great um, guest panelist, Amanda McCoy. Would you like to introduce yourself, Amanda? Sure. So um, I'm Amanda McCoy, obviously. I'm a freelance graphic designer uh, that has uh, turned to making websites in the last few years. Uh, and I did a um, class at the um, Sacramento WordPress camp. Yes, it was great. Um, and um, you're a bit of a trooper because you've been traveling. You've been traveling <laughs> for 24 hours before you came on this panel, haven't you? Yeah, you know, I'm sorry if I'm a little incoherent. It's just because I'm not sure what time it is and uh, I don't know where I am. <laughs> oh, I'm like that anyway, so it doesn't really matter. <laughs> don't be too alarmed because I'm like that all the time. Um, so, folks, um, we've got a nice tight panel here. We're going to go straight into the news session. Um, like I say, hopefully some of the other panel are going to be joining us during the show. Um, and I'm going to start with uh, a tavern story, Gettysburg, Ginnensburg, whatever it's called. Engineer. Yeah. Uh, Mattis Ventura, is it? Uh, yeah. Unpacks the, the, the vision for getting blocks, front-end editing and future WordPress themes pretty long title but i think i managed it um anybody wants to start with that first so i had i had read uh, matthias's article when it uh, came out and i was i was curious about why you picked the tavern article instead of the original although i'm beginning to suspect it may have something to do with the comments because the uh, no it hasn't sadly it's got no <laughs> nothing at all it's just time basically so um, i'm just lazy and it's just easier to go to the tavern to pick your stories <laughs> up uh yes well i get this little note you know from the, uh, the uh, uh, every day you got all these feeds coming in though i think i got that from um wp managed as well yeah go yeah on, so, yeah but uh, uh, yeah, so I had I had read the original article, which is um, 
a nice piece of, about sort of at least why, uh, you know, what, what he thinks is going on here and, and where it's uh, leading. And it was very, um, you know, kind of upbeat and optimistic in terms of here, this is going to give you tools as a developer uh, and it's going to uh, make it, uh, <clears throat> you know, they want to work on making it easy to discover what types of content you can add and move on to, uh, you know, a, a, a better overall experience for WordPress, which is, you know, something that uh, WordPress does need to to aim at. I don't think there's anybody who actually likes the current visual editor. Um, but if you do read the comments in the, in the Tavern article, uh, you know, you see kind of a, a, a continuing uh, controversy. Um, <clears throat> and one of, one of the commenters said, I hope no WordPress user read the post because basically it says, WordPress users are technological idiots that cannot learn everything. Therefore, we should aim for their limited technical IQ level. I didn't get that impression from it uh, but yes it also said i don't well, remember what's, when... he wants to reread the article don't he? yes uh. it says i do not remember when was the last time i worked for someone that technologically challenged uh well i do um, I, I do, I do. <laughs> I do. and uh it, you know it, it it which has nothing to do with anybody's uh, iq but i i do have a lot of clients who i uh, are not um, not very. Can I say something? I'm sorry to interrupt. I don't know who. I don't know who left that comment um, off Huntington. Can I just say something direct to you? You're an idiot. You really are. <laughs> You're a total freaking idiot. And you, you know, to paste that on the forum on the tavern, you truly are an idiot. Yeah. I just want. I, I just I, think I, you I, just I, think yeah. you need to know that. Um, get some feedback because you've got some problems. You are a total idiot. Well, he certainly has, <laughs> he certainly has a, 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 an attitude problem for which you know there may be some level of justification somewhere. I don't know this person, um, but which I don't think contributes very well to uh, actually achieving anything useful. No. Any, uh, Kim, do you want to pass anything about the article? No, I, 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 <laughs> I just, you know, I, I think it just brought up again, though, the concerns some people are having as far as the developers of plugins, et cetera, on how they're going to be able to work with this in the short time frame when some decisions like what, what, frameworks they're using and all haven't even been made it's just you know stuff we've talked about before i don't know that we can if, that it changes anything but the you know it's the same questions and issues people talk about yeah um, i just want to give some feedback to move the conversation forward and i'll go to Amanda and see if she's got any words of wisdom um but basically um it was a nice article um i think the concerns about the, from the um you, you know from certain developers are totally justified. Um, this does seem to be moving at lightning speed. Um, in some ways, I'm a little bit bored to keep bringing it up every week, but it dominates WordPress news to such an extent almost every week that um, I feel that I am forced to bring it up because um, we covered news at the beginning of this podcast. Um but I think those worries and concerns in a way are justified because um, I think in some ways it um, 
slowed down is the wrong word, really. It just needs a bit more open discussion and um, a little bit more reassurance that um, some of the fears from the developer community in WordPress are being heard and it's not going to end up in a little bit of a mess, um, which we all hope that won't be the circumstance. We hope it's going to be a, a great success. And I also feel um, one of the things the article did do it was cl- also really clarify what the scope of this is um, and what are some of the outcomes that the development group involved in this want to achieve so i think as an article that was the only thing it kind of clarified to me what did you think amanda well i'm not that familiar with the whole um technical side but i certainly think that having um making it easier to edit things would be really useful um for my um clients who are less tech savvy. It's always a kind of a long ramp to get them to a place where they can do the edits that they need to do on their site. Um, My sort of concern as a designer is that I want to be able to set up something that is relatively foolproof in terms of them really messing up the design. You know, it's, it's, it's set up in a certain way. You want to maintain a certain consistency for a certain professional look. And um, I just, want to know that that I can set up something that will be a little bit client proof on that end yeah you're bound um and that is a totally legitimate um view Amanda and that's another area that's not been totally clarified um are you gonna have a system where you can give a certain degree because that's one of the great things with Beaver Builder because you can actually give um can lock it down through modules give certain levels of customization and exclude other levels of customization i'm not probably explaining that very clearly um that is a that's another another totally legitimate concern so i think there are a couple there are some legitimate concerns what gets me going is on a lot of these, um, especially on the tavern, is when you read some of the comments, is the juvenile attitude of some people rather than bringing up legitimate concerns. That's that's what gets me going. So I don't tend to read them, Sally. <laughs> I, just, I just can't be bothered, which is a shame because the uh, comments have got a lot of good stuff, but um, maybe they should prune and edit a little bit more vigorously. That's what I want. That's giving a little hint there, Tavern team. You do a great job. I nick all your stories. Uh, um, I think we'll go on to the next one. Um, I'd love to see what feedback he's got on this next um, thing I've managed to get up. And this is from a, a site called Couple. Um, but it's from um, it's from um, a couple, you know, um, I'm going to butcher this. I need help. Um, it's, um, as far as I know, and I'm not completely confident, it, um, Ahmad Awais and his uh, wife, Maida Batul. Um, oh, thank you so much for that, Sally. <laughs> and uh, Ahmad is, is uh, deeply involved in the uh, Gutenberg project. Uh, Just a little bit. Project. I have uh, to get him, I have to try and get him on the show, won't I? 
uh, yeah, that might be a good idea. I mean, the time zone is probably insane, but yeah, that's the problem, isn't it? Uh, but uh, you know, he's written he's written quite a lot about it, and if you've read anything he's written, he is extremely, extremely, extremely pro React, uh, and. You know, it's a nice interview where he talks about... I never got that impression for this interview at all, did you? (laughs) (laughs) And uh, so he's, you know, he's gone to to talk to the uh, React team at uh, Facebook about, uh, you know, how they envision it, uh, you know, progressing and how people can use it and and so on and so forth. And, you know, all of this uh, sounds very good, except as, as I commented on the on the post it's you know it's it's kind of not the technical side of react i don't think that anybody was ever really concerned with it's the licensing thing and and apparently you know he said it it was the development team that um uh, uh persuaded the uh per, per, you know the persuaded facebook to change the license so that it was, you know, compatible with uh, GPL and, and therefore it would be all right for WordPress to use it. But, uh, you know, it's still not their final, they're not the ones who make the final decision. I, I think they could see, look, if WordPress backs off React, there will be a lot fewer people who want to use React and, and that's going to be a bad thing. Uh, but at the same time, there there is still not anything to prevent Facebook changing the license back unless there's something I'm not aware of that says, oh, once you get this license, you're, you know, you've got it forever. Uh, Adam, welcome. Oh, yeah. So um, Adam um, from WP Craft has joined us. So if you hear his voice, uh, um, you know who he is. Uh, on, is this keep... working? This is working. Uh, oh, it's working. working. It's working. Yeah. You're with us, Adam. Thanks right. for joining us. <laughs> so it's, you know, it, it, I, I, it was interesting for me to read this. I'm not a JavaScript developer, so I don't have personal opinions on, on that aspect of, uh, of React. But yeah, I still feel kind of hesitant. And it, it doesn't have to do with these people or, or, or with the actual the framework itself. I don't trust Facebook. I really don't trust yeah. Facebook. I don't use Facebook. Well... I don't trust Facebook, but I use Facebook, Um, um, you know, Sally, um, but I totally agree with you on the trust element that I think fundamentally that is one of the key factors. It's Facebook and their track record um, when it comes to this is a dismal to say the least. Um, And as a business partner, their track record is abysmal. Um, I personally, unless, you know, um, I do do business with them. Um, I would prefer not to, but I do do business with them. Um, I give them a fair whack of money every month. Uh, um, so it is, but that is the problem. Um, the, like I say, I'm, I'm not, a, you know, I dabbled with JavaScript uh, many years ago and I, I do the odd thing with jQuery, but I couldn't in any shape or form tell you what is the best library. The only comment I would say on the piece, you know, which is substantial, um, it was, you know, it was a bit of a loving to some extent, but um, the other idea that it should be kind of JavaScript neutral and you should be allowed to use, I think 
doesn't sound a great idea to me. Um, I think you really have to well, choose I, one. I, I love it in theory, but yeah. from what, you know, what Yost said in his article and, and other yeah. things, in practice, yeah. it wouldn't actually work very well. I wouldn't have thought so. I think it would cause enormous confusion. But, that, you know, I haven't got the technical chops to make a comment on it. Um, Adam, did you, did you have time to read that at all? It's a bit of a lengthy piece. We got any comments on that? We're talking about this. I I did not. I will say that with with that, um, does it reveal why they changed the license? Was it because of WordPress? Because why why else would they have done it? You know the the way. Not the really, but was? I think it's pretty obvious they want it. You know they want the biggest um, developer. Um, you know the biggest group of developers they can attract to utilize the library so yeah i I would have thought that's why but it's facebook isn't it adam isn't it yeah well they had an opportunity right to be on uh what uh, 28 percent of the websites (laughs) to have their tech their technology on there um so i mean there definitely is i guess an incentive there in the sense that they would have had WordPress giving back to make it even better and they would benefit from it. But yeah, there's always been concerns with Facebook. They got all your data. <laughs> they got all my data. It's okay. I'm past that. Uh, hackers all over the world have all our data anyway with the Equifax hack. So there's not much, there's not much that's not already out there, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, before we leave this, Amanda, got any thoughts at all? I suppose it's really outside your realm of interest, really, though, isn't it? Yeah, honestly, I, it is outside my realm of interest and or of, of uh, expertise, and I just want it to work and work really well. <laughs> <laughs> like, I think about 99% right. of the Shouldn't be too much to ask, right? Uh, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> See, but on the other hand, you know, I don't, I don't want to become one of these trolls on on the forum or the tavern, um, but this is to me this was another sign of not enough discussion before diving in. In a way, um, I think choosing the right library and discussing, you know, uh, there's you know I think Morton said it in one of the previous discussions on this topic when he joined us is um, that it was chosen because the lead developers, that's, that's the library that they utilized. So they had, they wanted to keep using it, which is a perfectly legitimate reason. Um, But it also needed a little bit more discussion, did it? And that's what led to this blowing up because I, 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 at the initial stage, I would have had some great concerns about using any technology from Facebook in an open source project because of their track record on this particular area, which is basically a dismal, um, truly a dismal. Um, so I think that's enough said on it. On to the next one. Um, from, um, I got it from, I think I got it from somewhere in the ether, but it's on the word fence updates to cybersecurity WordPress that what we're cooking in the lab today, yeah, blah, blah, blah. Postman SMTP plugin with unpatched vulnerability removed from directory. And we had it on some of the sites that we support. So we had to act a little bit QET, um, so what did the panel think of this one? 
I wish, you know, I know there's no practical way of doing this, but you know, when Apple came out with their iPhones and they came out with their app store and they, there's all these complaints that it's this gated wall and all of that kind of stuff. Um, the benefit of that is you have Apple making sure that the apps are safe, that are going to go through their store, through their property and onto their products. And um, I, I kind of wish that, um, see, if, if when these bad things happen with plugins, it reflects very bad on WordPress itself because most people don't, the average user doesn't make the, the disconnection that this is not, from WordPress. They just know they go to WordPress, they click the name and they're using it. And why aren't there these protections in place? Um, so I, I kind of wish WordPress itself would allocate some funds and say, you know, we need to protect the brand. Let's allocate some resources to make sure we are vigilant when it comes to security for our users. Obviously, it's an open source project and we're talking about money, but, but it negatively affects WordPress.com as well. You know, they've got to protect the brand, I would think. Uh, I, I kind of wish there was more of a vigilance with these things to catch them quicker or some kind of resources allocated to auditing uh, updates to plugins code or some kind of automated scanning systems developed to automatically scan the code in these plugins. Something really should be done so that things don't last a week with this vulnerability like this, you know, uh, it's just, um, I, I just don't want to see the WordPress brand harmed when things like this happen. And this is actually a continuation of, what a month ago where uh, people were buying plugins uh, and uh, just, just stop me on. there just stop there <laughs> um i think we've got to make it very clear here adam what you're di what we discussed and what you're discussing was somebody that yes. actually bought plugins true and yes and that's installed, different. I... installed um not very technically well thank god installed <laughs> um um code that would yes you know this scenario is somebody that um they have act it was a strange article i might not have read it correctly i'm sure sandy will put me right if i haven't uh um, is that um the developers seem to have kind of disappeared a little bit he's, yeah. not, res he's not responding but on the other hand there's loads of plugins in the depot in, in the depository that developers have disappeared but they seemed to have acted very quickly on this one around it so i was a little puzzled by why they acted so quickly or um on why you know there's loads of developers that don't communicate that that quickly is there right. but, well I, I think that if you know if they saw that it was vulnerable and the developer wasn't patching it they'd better take it out of the repository yeah. Right. but yeah i mean i think we have sort of Two different issues here there are people who review the plugins before they get put up there but not the but, updates and ongoing right, right but it's a it's a you know but it's a small team and they may you know they, they they may miss things and yeah and they don't review the updates which is how we got the other problem now i don't know whether apple reviews every single update that's made to every app or whether it's just the process of of getting into the app store in the first place uh 
and but you know i presume that the people who are doing the reviewing for for apple are being paid for it and you know that's their job and yeah. therefore they can you know they can devote more time to it uh, and yeah. you know there there's an issue with anything anything that depends on volunteers is you have to find the people who yeah. are able to devote the time and and it can be uh it can be an issue uh yeah i've got an idea here that i want to throw to the panel what you know i agree with adam what he was saying uh, i think something's got to be done with this situation because it's going <coughs> to be ongoing and it will damage wordpress and the brand as i said this is my idea I think you you should have a secondary list of what is called, uh, I don't know what wording you would use, but they would be premier plugins, which the plug, if you want to be part of that list, you have to pay as a plugin developer, you have to pay um, WordPress, um, you would be charged a fee. Um, but the reason why you as a developer you would pay for that fee is that you would get uh, a mark uh, a token uh, something you can bun on your on your marketing use amanda's services to do a nice you know icon uh, um, uh but says that you've been approved and you're in the premier wordpress depository and you, you have strict guidelines that to keep um that I, that uh, mark of um, superiority, whatever you want to call it, you have to uh, you have to abide by a set of. No, no one will trust it if you have to pay for it. They'll assume that that you know you are achieving it through money rather than through passing the standards. You know, do you honestly feel that the WordPress community is that paranoid, then, Sally? Paranoid hell. Do you know how much <laughs> it pissed people off about the, you know, the hosting reviews and the and the even the suggestion that it might be that people got on the WordPress recommended hosting because of, you know, the amount of support they provided for WordCamps or, or other financial incentives? Yeah, but, but that, there's that, a difference there's a difference though in having to pay for a technical scan to make something approved. Like the um good housekeeping seal of approval right those are paid for people that that's not free good housekeeping doesn't just go out and go oh we liked this and we go through it those are paid for but you still have to you pay for it and you have it tested they run it through their program they say yes it worked or it didn't i think, I think yeah i, like I think if you that. phrase it as there's an application fee to yes. be considered for the program that that's one thing versus you know here hand over some money and we'll give you the you know the verified uh, whatever agree don't, don't get me wrong sally i totally agree with your comments about how the theme thing um was handled um i thought it was handled appallingly myself and it, if i was a theme developer i i would be really pissed off with that that whole and it's still not clear how it's all organized and that i think that's more down to the internal systems and you if you had a really clear um even on the themes that if you there would be a separate list of themes that would be whatever title they were given and you had to you had to go through application a higher bar to get your theme into that section and there would be an application fee 
and you would have to have these set um, signposts or you would have to do these set things and agree to this, these updates to your theme. What do you think, Adam, or am I dribbling? Well, I think that, you know, some thought needs to be invested in this because it's just going to end up getting worse. So there's lots of options. And, you know, WordPress, the parent company, is making a, a crap ton of money. They can carve out a little sliver to, to, to protect the WordPress brand. Um, and, you know, it's funny. WordPress is really proactive. I think iTheme Security does a great job. They've got real, they're really solid security plugins. But I think the fact that we have to install a security, like a perfect example, and I hate to keep going back to this and hopefully people don't get mad at me. I own a Mac computer. I don't have a security software on it. I've had it for 15 years. I'm pushing the love. I'm pushing it on my Mac. I'm an active very involved in my Mac user. I, I do stuff. All right. You wouldn't dare think of running a PC without like 15 security plugins. You need firewalls, antivirus and all that. And the antivirus gets broken. All I'm saying is I wish WordPress was like a Mac where I didn't have to worry about security. Um, because the problem is new users, they're not worried about security. It's not even on their radar. It should just kind of be done for them. I'm not talking about keeping WordPress is secure. I'm talking about being proactive to protect it from other people trying to harm it. That's what I'm talking about. It kind of stinks that you have to go get WordFence or you have to go get iTheme security when some of these basic things, because you read this article, right? WordFence is saying this happened, blah, 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 XS, what was it, XSS, uh, security vulnerability, but we got you covered from day one. Why can't WordPress have everyone covered from day one on some of these basic things that they know are out there? Or is that, I just think it makes sense. Yeah, I see where you're coming from. Um, I've got to say, this is a typical WordFence post, you know. Yes, I've uh, read them. (laughs) Um, and they're probably because what I'm about to say, they're probably never going to become a sponsor. Uh, um, um, and I need to do oh, thanks for that. I'll just be minded. I need to talk about my sponsor. Uh, um, uh, um, this is a typical word fence, and you know, I've got no problem with their plugin. Well, I do actually, <laughs> uh, Rob, I do have some problems with their plugin, um, but I have a bigger problem with the tone of their articles and I understand it it's clickbait and we're in a competitive world but they're notorious for, you know and I've had clients ringing me up you know because they've read one of the word fence articles and they're all kind of worked up and um, I've had to calm some clients down because of these people these clowns and their articles um you need to you need to calm down, folks, and think of the WordPress community a bit rather than just keep plugging these posts you, you do. Um, the other thing is, yeah, I understand where you're coming from, um, Adam, um, but I don't think you. I, I think you could do a lot better job, but I, I think a certain awareness, especially if it's a business website, you're making money. I think you gotta understand a bit about the web and you never you can never be totally secure. Um it's just you raised 
because it's linked to usability, isn't it? You know, it's always the highest, the higher the security, the less usable the site is. What well, I mean, you know, you have more steps to log in and blah, blah, blah. So there's always a balance there. Um, I don't know if I, um, I don't know if Amanda wants to say anything about this. Do you want to say anything about this? <laughs> You're sitting there very quietly. What's going on? You know, I'm always kind of entertained by their by their uh, their posts. You know, I, I read them and it's like, wow, oh my god! And then oh, oh but they covered. You know, they've got me covered. So you know, I I think that's it, they're it, they're kind of entertaining in a certain way. Um, I, I can see you have a you know a, an issue here with the um, we, you know with money it's like their what I like about them is their job is just security and you know if we, we can believe their posts they're pretty on it you know they, they they're doing their job and they're always there and they're always working on stuff so yeah but don't um, you think that sometimes they go over a little you know you, you can you're totally welcome to disagree with me Amanda right. it's only <laughs> my opinion but don't you think that some of the posts that they have knocked out are a little bit you know there to get people to buy their plug-in and do those well ev ev everybody in the security business basically sells by trying to scare you yeah and it's not that there's nothing to be afraid of but you know um adam i have a pc and all i run on it is in fact i have two pcs all i run on them is the basic windows defender software and i don't have any problems with viruses because i don't do <clears throat> stupid things like use facebook um, well, yeah, Facebook is excessively stupid, but like, you know, click on those obviously infected links from people's, you know, Yahoo accounts and, uh, yeah. you know, other kinds of, of stupidity. And, you know, I don't think it's too much to ask people to undertake reasonable precautions with their computers and, and with their websites. I just wrote, you know, that 2600 word article I just wrote is basically about, you know, why having a website is like having a car. And if you think of, you know, all of the kinds of things you have to do to make sure that your car is okay uh, and you can drive safely and, you know, that you have to, you have to learn how to drive it. And then you have to learn, you know, there's a 614 page manual for my car. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's not like I have read the whole thing, but yeah, you know, I'm driving down the freeway and my tire pressure light goes on. And since, you know, my previous car was from 1999, I, I had never seen a tire pressure light. I have no idea what's going on in my car. Yeah. I'm freaked out because I'm, you know, moving at 75 miles an hour, uh, you know, and I have to go back and look through the manual to find out what this light means. You know, and it's on page 100 and God knows what, uh, and you know, figure it out, and you know, go take the take the car to the tire place and have them check the the pressure and readjust the little thing so it stops beeping at me, and you know, people take having to do that stuff for granted, even though it actually requires a lot of time, energy, and and money to put it in, and I think folks have gotten really lazy about anything technical. Right. Well, and even with the Mac, I'm a Mac person too, and an iPhone user. But, you know, now we're expanding beyond just security of the operating system. Um, you know, if you're online, if you're hooked up to a router, people hack these lovely little cameras on Macs just as much as they do on PCs. I mean, when I'm running around my room, 
that's there so that I'm not hacked. And same with your phone, you know? So it, I think we're moving beyond just, I agree with your point. We need to, uh, that, that I think that they should do something to protect the brand. But I think that we're expanding as we expand through the internet of things, et cetera. We have more security concerns we're going to have to keep considering. Yep. I think, um, I think we go for a breaks break folks um <clears throat> but before that i want to quickly talk about um our great sponsor of this show and that's intelligence wp and what is intelligence wp you're you are wondering well it's a great plugin that allows you to deal with google analytics that great thing that you set up once and then you probably never go back to it and when you do you have no idea what you're looking for and how to set it up the great people from Dub Intelligence Double P have got a great WordPress plugin and uh, also some other services that works with the plugin um, will make your Google Analytic data worthwhile to look at and you will understand it. So um, go to Intelligence WP and find some more about this great plugin, which is free and not crippled. Um, like I say, folks, we'll go for our break. We're coming back. And actually, Amanda will probably be able to say something in our main topic. <laughs> uh, um, uh, um, we'll be back in a minute, folks. Do you want to spend more time making money online? Then use WP Tonic as your trusted WordPress developer partner. They will keep your WordPress website secure and up to date so you can concentrate on the things that make you money. Examples of WP Tonic's client services are landing pages, page layouts, widgets, updates, and modifications. WP Tonic is well known and trusted in the WordPress community. They stand behind their work with full, no question asked, 30 day money back guarantee. So don't delay. Sign up with WP Tonic today. That's wp-tonic.com. Just like the podcast. We're coming back, folks. We got a really, I've really enjoyed the discussion. Actually, we've got a great panel this morning. Um, unlike last week, where I just left it to my co-host, um, and she had to deal with I think eight panelists, and I just threw her in, threw it into it. Uh, um. um but we're going to go on to our main topic, which is about color palettes, design, nice interface stuff. Um, so we're off we go. And I think I'm going to let Amanda start off with this. Um, so choosing the right color palette, the right colors, to me, it's something that people tend not to think of, do they? Um, but it's something pretty crucial also, Amanda. Would you like to start off the conversation? Sure. I mean, come on, Amanda, be more enthusiastic. But I know you've been trying. <laughs> you know, I, I'm a New Englander. We don't really do like you know this stuff. We're we're uh, we're, we're kind of um, we're, we're kind of we're, the rest of you, we would say we're kind of shut down. Anyway, um, I really love color. Um, color is hugely important because it's um, you know it's it's probably the quickest way you can get into emotional touch with somebody. I mean, colors always elicit some kind of emotional response. And so that's, you know, really, really good for your website, for engaging people with your website. Um, and the, one of the things about it is that it takes a lot more time and a lot more thought than people realize. Um, so, I don't know, it's just really important to actually uh, devote some, uh, some time and effort to it. Um, 
I guess the other thing about it is that it's like everything else, um, keep it simple. You know, it's really easy to get incredibly bogged down in a whole lot of stuff. And, you know, simple is good. One color is just fine. Got any, um, before I open it out to other panel, got any kind of um, tips and tricks or insights about how you choose the right color palette when you're developing your website? Well, I've got some training courses. I'm not promoting the training courses because I'll just tell you kind of the content when I'm talking about color in some of my training courses. Actually, you know, you know, don't you hate when you're looking at someone's website and you can immediately tell what theme they're using? And that really just shows that they didn't put the extra effort into making it really stand out. And it usually comes down to fonts and colors, right? Like I could spot a Divi website a mile away. You could actually tell usually because of the font, but also because the color of the font and the way the interaction is uh, because people don't take those extra steps that themes give you or your page builder gives you to choose colors. Um, I like to do one of two things. One is a two color option or a three color option. And I call it a 60-40 or a 60-30-10. So the 60-40 is you've got your primary color and you've got your accent color. So you want to use your primary color about 60% of the time and then 40% of the time you'll use your accent color. Actually, more like 30% of the time. But I prefer this 60-30-10. 60 is your primary, 30% of the time you're using your accent, and 10% of the time, I might have coined this, I call it a pop color, and that's a color that stands out from all the others, and this is typically a color you're going to use in buttons or where you want people's eyes to go to. Um, there's a ton of excellent resources on the internet for color palettes and you can start experimenting with different color palettes. So you can actually, you could actually just Google color palettes. I think one of them's called colors, but there's two O's in it. So it's like colors. <laughs> That's a great site for uh, color palettes, but you know what? I like to see what other people are doing. And so if you use the Chrome web browser, there's all these amazing extensions. And one of them is, I think it's Colorzilla. So you can go to just Google, Google Chrome Colorzilla. And what it is, it's a color picking tool that you can just grab any color from any website that you're at. And you can start experimenting with colors to try to discover what you like and how you can implement that on, on your site. And so I find those are some really good basic principles to to stick to. Yeah, I think that's fantastic, Adam. Amanda, I think uh, I don't know what you think. Um, you passed comment on Adam's um, um, comments there, but also um, color and layout are quite closely linked, aren't they, Amanda? So, what do you feel about that and about what Adam's just said? You know, the main thing for me is that it really depends on what your website is and who your client is, you know? I mean, I think that it's very, it's very hard to, to talk about color in the abstract. It, it has to have a very close link to, uh, you know, to, to who the client is and to what you're trying to, to get across and the feeling you're trying to get across. Um, I tend to separate out layout and color. Um, I'll, I'll do layout first and then I will, uh, you know, part of, what I'll figure out after that is like, okay, what color do I need in order to make this layout more 
um, more appealing and more um, co comprehensible, you know, to, to make it to make it clear, you know, what's most important, what's less important, you know, using it in, using color in a very functional sort of way. Um, so yeah, there are a lot of color apps on the on the web, and a lot of them are really fun. Um, but it's not where I go first usually because I found that the, I find that they're kind of they're too abstract, and I need to start with the specifics of the client that I'm working with. Yeah, you, you can entertain yourself for hours and yeah. not necessarily get closer to your goal. <laughs> that, that's uh, that, that's so true, Sally. Um, the other thing you've got to keep in mind um, is color blindness, and it affects a lot of the male population, doesn't it, Amanda? Especially when you it's e-commerce or something you're trying and, you, and you're using color, as Adam says. To you got to also realize that a large pop proportion of the population have a certain level of color blindness right. right but you know what you you're really dealing whenever you deal with color you're also very much dealing with value you know and if you as long as you get enough value difference between your colors um you're going to be okay you know yeah. and a, a lot of the a lot of the like you know like a for example a red green color blindness right if you have red and greens that are that are really close to the same value. It's, it, for somebody who's colorblind, that's gonna be impossible to see. But it's also gonna be really hard to look at anyway, because you get the, that, you know, that red-green vibration that gets set up. Yeah, I use so. them all the time, Amanda. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so you should definitely keep that in mind and definitely test, but you know, as long as you've got a good value um, set up, you're, you're gonna be okay, I think. Yeah, well, there's that, you know, the, the, the old cheat, you know, if you, if you look at it in grayscale, can you still tell the difference between everything you need to still tell the difference right. between? You would never think that I like grayscale by the WP Tonic website, would you folks? <laughs> uh, I don't, I don't, but uh, I tweeted, I just wanted something different. And uh, when I went, when I actually went to graphic school, uh, um, um, I, that, like you say, folks, um, do everything in kind of um, monotone. And then it was kind of, pushed into your brain that you should do that really um but i always like um it's fun really but like you say sally you could waste so much time um the other thing uh, amanda is um certain colors and certain color palettes are um in vogue at certain times aren't they um right. do you do any kind of after you worked out who the clients um target audience is and the other things we've quickly discussed do you have do you is that part of your consideration as well? You know, usually it's not. Um, I think it really depends. I mean, it depends on what you mean by like what's in vogue. It's like, okay, is it like that blue green color that you see on all tech sites now? You know, and so, so for for example, if I was, if I was going to do that kind of tech site, right, I would probably go and do a survey of other sites, and I would you know, choose a color that was not the same as all of theirs. Um, you know, the other thing, there are, there are people who do color. It's, it's bootstrap blue is, is what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, so there are people who do color forecasts. You know, this is more for the sort of, um, you know, fashion design yeah. and, and interior design stuff. And so there's actually a lot of very detailed stuff about, 
you know, what colors are going to be coming up as, you know, new and fresh and in vogue. And I suppose if I was doing, you know, some kind of a furniture or interior design site, that might be important, but mostly I just ignore that. So, um, so I think we covered a couple of um, sites that could help with this. Um, have the panel got any other sites, like Adam gave a couple and a couple of quick tools that can help people with choosing colour and working with colour? Silence. Come on, folks, you must have some. I have a, I have a whole stack of, of bookmarks on things like, you know, colour and typography and, and this and that, but none of them are immediately popping to mind, so I'll, I'll give you a link yeah, to um, I think for the, the show notes. I'll throw, I'll throw it to Adam, because also you've covered the use of um, fonts, haven't you? So would you like to, um, it's, I'd like to broaden out the discussion, because there's only so much we can talk about, well, colour, yeah, to a certain degree. Um, um, what about fonts as well? What's your tips on those, uh, Adam? You know, ironically, they're almost identical because um, the same ratios apply. Well, actually, it's a little more weighted towards your main body font because if you have an article, you've got headlines and you've got majority of it's the the body of what you're writing so but it's very similar in having a two font or a three font type of scenario and using the same tools to identify fonts and there's also websites that will help you pair fonts so I typically like my headlines and my menu to have the same font and I just use them there and they might have a different weight than the body font. And the body font will be a separate font, but then if you want to spruce it up a little bit, you kind of have that 10% of the time you use it font where it might be dramatically different. Like you see this a lot with um, uh, feminine websites, uh, say like um, yoga websites or women that are uh, coaches where they'll have a cursive font be that 10% font where they'll put that above a headline or some, some, non-typical thing like that to to make what we're talking about let me just back this all up and I should have said this first it comes back to branding having a strong brand and it's okay if you want a website um, and a business and but you're not so concerned on having a really strong brand image but if you notice all strong brands have distinct colors and they, they use specific fonts. So if I was to say, what color does YouTube use? Everyone's going to shout red. What color does Dropbox use? Everyone's going to say that glowing blue because people identify colors with brands and also topography with brands. An example of that cursive thing I was talking about, if you go to a website, the membership guys, I think you might have probably interviewed him a couple times yeah, once I yeah think, well john did yeah you, you, and it's not a feminine website it's a it's a very popular highly trafficked website you'll see their use of that 10 percent cursive font in certain locations to get an idea and there's also <laughs> there's also chrome tools for fonts um i mistakenly once called it um uh, what the font but it's actually <laughs> called what font <laughs> I, and the, it should be called what the font it's right more memorable but instead they call it what font uh, so you could do a google for search for either of those and you can start experimenting with fonts there's another great website that will pair google fonts for you it's called font pair 
I love that site. You can scan through and see fonts paired up um, and use some of those guidelines. But it all goes back to branding, right? If you want to, unfortunately, good branding takes a lot of the work that we don't want to do, like that 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 methodical thought process and, and really figuring things out. And it's so much easier just to get going than to sit there and really think it out. And I'm uh, guilty of this myself. Well, it's kind of um, where Amanda thinks, you know, it's got the experience and thinks it out. You know, you, you tend to go just by the um, seat of your pants, don't you? And, I do. uh, um But you, you've got a lot of experience and I've got a fair bit, but uh, I wouldn't have that methodical approach as Amanda. Um, the reason, I'm, before I go back to Amanda, one of the reasons why I wanted this topic is that I think it's linked to page builders, really, because... I think a lot of people, and it was a bit linked to one of your comments, Adam, is like, you know, you can tell with Divi, you, you know, and they haven't bothered. But I think with the page, you know, a lot of this was um, either good, indifferent, or bad came from the theme developer, and depending on how much of a graphical background they came from or how much work they put into it. Um, with the page builders, you kind of opened up uh, for people to have like as many fonts as they like um, as they develop in it and um, you do see some um horrendous examples but so amanda um i think what people don't realize font spacing and and the font especially when it comes to copy is rather important isn't it right that's what, that's what i was going to say is that um i think of course, you know, your choice of whatever, of exactly what fonts you want is important, but I think to really, you know, get a kind of a polished or a finished looking site is you need to pay a whole lot of attention to um, things like, you know, the, the line spacing between the lines, like how much, how much space do you have between each line of copy. And also what I see a lot is there's a, not a lot of attention to like how many characters you get on a line. For example, you know, if you have a, if you have a very wide space you know, that you're designing for, it needs your um, font size needs to be bigger. Um, and if it, and, and again, if but if it's really short, your font size needs to be smaller. And of course, on the web, this is really complicated because you keep changing sizes. Um, so you you know you kind of have to adjust your uh, your type size a little bit for different um, windows. Um, I just wanted to mention there's this uh, website that I really like called TypeWolf, typewolf.com, because he's got all kinds of samples of um, what people have done on different websites, which is really helpful for get, kind of getting an idea and, you know, getting an, um, um, yeah, just uh, different ideas of how to deal with type on, a web, on the web. Yeah, and the other thing you got to be a little bit of advice, see if Adam, um, Amanda agrees with this, and Adam, is that you know Google fonts have, are great, and it's a great service. But other uh, people, custom fonts, commercial <laughs> custom fonts, and the license, you can get into some real just like images, um, just going on the internet and copying a Getty image. Um, and just plonking it on the site and wait for a Getty letter to arrive two weeks later. Later, um, it's the same thing with fonts. Um, actually, fonts are um, they are covered. Uh, yes, uh, just because you know this font came with your Photoshop installation doesn't mean you have a license to use it on the web. And so, uh, you know, I mean, Adobe bought um, what's that 
that Time. font serving service um, yeah. type kit type kit type a while kit. ago yeah. and so yeah I mean it's you know you have to understand and, ru- that, and ruined it <laughs> well I don't know about ruined it yeah. I mean but you know yeah. it, it's like if you want a font that is not available as a free font with a with a you know appropriate license you will have to pay not just for the you know, for the print version that they're using, you're using on your business cards and your brochures, but again, for the web version to use on your website. And maybe, you know, it's only made available through X or Y service that you have to hook it in through. And this is, you know, kind of why I encourage uh, designers that I'm working with, if if it's a, you know, a new client project and they're just developing their identity system, you know, you will make everybody's life easier if you already, if you start with a font that's going to be available on the web. And, you know, sometimes you won't. And part of the reason that, you know, websites of of some large companies look so nice and distinctive is that they're happy to pay for those exclusive commercial fonts in order to distinguish themselves. Uh, And, you know, you just need to understand that, it is going to cost you money and it's going to cost you, you know, ongoing licensing money to use certain fonts. I think it's a great point. What, uh, what, what's your feelings around that, Amanda? And how do you deal with that? What we've just said? Well, I mean, I have a um, Adobe creative, uh, creative cloud, whatever they call it, a license. So I'm have access to typekit fonts. Um, and I use those quite a lot. Um, it does mean that for a lot of my, for many of my clients, if they stop being my clients, it could end up being an issue for them. And I haven't really figured out how to deal with that or no, if there I, is no if way. I want to. Yeah. So. Well, yeah. Right. But um, the Google, the Google uh, to the rescue, um, you, they do have a lot of fonts, um, but it's really linked to also what Sally says, because um, I found with clients where you, they've pointed out, we want this, they show you certain websites and we and they say we want this certain look and you know that they've spent a lot of money on commercial font and spent a lot of time and you're dealing with a client that will not in any shape or form pay for that and you go to google and you can get a similarity normally um but it won't be quite the same and if you um they won't know why but when you show them the mock-ups, they say, it doesn't quite look right. Um, and that could be one of the factors. Um, I've found that through experience. Uh, <clears throat> I think we've had a great round table. Um, I'm going to wrap it up now. I've got a load of things I've got to do this morning, and the list has added as the morning has progressed. I'm going to let Sally... <coughs> Sorry, folks, got a bit of cough there. Um, I'm going to let Sandy, how can we find out more about you, Sandy, and what you're up to? And tell us a little bit about the couple of posts that you've done. Uh, sure. Well, you can find me at WPFangirl.com, where I am at Sally Getch on Twitter. And, and if you can spell my name, you can find me. There's only one of me in Google. Uh, but so the, the it's actually sort of two and a half posts. Uh, the original, uh, <clears throat> are you qualified to drive that uh, website? Uh, post with my extended analogy about, you know, ownership and responsibility and the similarities of, uh, you know, learning to drive and and learning to use a website Uh, and uh, a revised somewhat shorter version I put on uh, LinkedIn. Um, And then the most recent one, which I, which posted this morning is about, you know, 
questions you need to ask yourself uh, before you start talking to uh, development teams or, or design agencies, things that you need to know about your own business before you're going to be in a position uh, to have a productive conversation with, with somebody who is going to build you a website. That's great. Um, how can people find more about you, Adam? I have a YouTube channel. It's pretty huge. I'd love to see you there. Just visit youtube.com slash WP crafter. And uh, there's over 250 videos there waiting for you to learn. And if you leave a comment, I'll actually respond to it. He does. And it's a great YouTube channel. Um, I actually watch a lot of the videos myself because I don't know how you do it, Adam, but you, you get stuff that I don't even know about. So, um, or services and tips and plugins. It's a great resource, folks. My beloved co-host, how can people find more about you, Kim? You can find me on Twitter at Kim Schivler, or you can find me on the web at KimShivler.com. And if you happen to be in Vegas this weekend, reach out to me. I will be speaking at WordCamp Vegas, and we'll probably be doing a coffee meetup Monday morning. So reach out, and I'd love to see you if you're in town. Yes, do that. Um, make a plug for the Las Vegas um, word camp. Unfortunately, I couldn't go down, um, but it should be great. And our great special guest that's travelled far for the show, uh, Amanda, how can people find out more about you and what you do? Well, first of all, thanks for um, inviting me on. This has been really fun. Um, you can find me on the web at amanda-mccoy-design.com. Oh, that's great. Any Twitter, Facebook, social media? You know, I, I do have a Twitter account, but I'm not really that um, uh, active on Twitter at the moment. You can also find me on LinkedIn. All right, that's great. Thanks a lot, Amanda. And you can find more about me on my Twitter feed. That's at Jonathan Denwood. You can go to the WP Tonic Facebook page. We've got a, a growing, nowhere near Adam's um, subscription level, but it is growing. And our, um, our YouTube channel, where you'll see all the interviews and the roundtables with some bonus content as well when it comes to the interviews. And we'll see you next week for another roundtable show where we'll be talking about WordPress news stories and a theme. We'll see you next week, folks. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to WP Tonic, the podcast that gives you a spoonful of WordPress medicine twice a week.